Cameron, sorry to overquote him, but he's thought and talked a lot about this particular subject. He said, it's like a parent who resists his child, kind of pushing against him to test the strength of the child. God resists us in prayer to see our resolve in his goodness. God's goal in salvation is for us to be so convinced of the beauty and goodness of God based on the cross of Jesus Christ that we could go through hell itself and we would say, if I made my bed in hell, I knew that you were there. You know what time it is, time for another train wreck. Welcome to Not Another Baptist Podcast weekly podcast about what two pastors in New Mexico are learning in the trenches of church revitalization. I'm Kyle Bierman, the pastor of First Baptist Church in Alamogordo, New Mexico, and director of Replanner Development for the North American Mission Board. Now, I'm normally joined by Matt Hensley, the pastor at Mayhill Baptist Church, but he's off eating candy corn or drinking a caramel macchiato or something else today. Uh, but Matt and I are proud to be sponsored by Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, and you got to hear a little treat from one of their chapel messages just before we got started here, because Southwestern is all about preaching the word, reaching the world, and in our opinion, are the pioneers when it comes to faithful, text-driven preaching. As Matt likes to say, the sun never sets on Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, so he says the sun never sets on NAB podcast. We're also happy to be sponsored by the Christian Standard Bible. Matt and I both love the CSB because of its blend of readability and accuracy. And we both use the CSB in our personal devotions and in our preaching. And we encourage you to check out the csbible.com after the show. Now, since Matt is gone, I am happy to be joined today by Mike Rubino, pastor of Cornerstone Bible Church in Port Jefferson Station, New York. Uh, Mike, welcome to the show. And uh, first of all, tell us, tell our lis listeners just a little bit about who you are a bit about your family and what you do up there in the land of the Yankees. Uh, well, Kyle, first of all, thanks. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, I'm the lead pastor of Cornerstone here in New York. We're about a, a mile outside of Manhattan. Uh, yes, a, a diehard Yankee fan uh, because the Mets are not a real team. That's how we feel about that here in New York. Uh, I'm not a typical uh, it's not a typical Baptist podcast. I'm not a typical Baptist pastor. Uh, the Lord called me into ministry uh, and a little bit differently than some of my peers. Uh, I left the church uh, when I was a teenager, part of Generation X. Uh, just didn't see anything that was really speaking to my heart, so a lot of hypocrisy and, and just experienced some personal hardships and, and just left uh, and came back to the Lord and to the local church in my early 20s and just kind of started my life with no intention of going into any kind of vocational ministry in any way, shape or form. And uh, the longer that I just got embedded into my local church, uh, the Lord just called me deeper into his service. And slowly but surely, I knew I had a call. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, now, I'm going to throw a question that I didn't send to you real quick because you touched on it, that you actually left the church for, for a while. And one of the things that we're seeing today is uh, large sections of millennials um, who are leaving the church after high school. That's not a new thing, right? I mean, I think we've kind of seen this generational pattern of, of folks leaving the church once they uh, once they graduate from high school. And in fact, some some numbers I saw recently show that that maybe those numbers are declining just a little bit about the number that are leaving, but, but it's still two thirds. Um, and so, 
in your, in your, I guess, experience, why is that? Why are young folks leaving the church when they get out of high school? And what can we do? Because as we talk church revitalization, often that 18 to, to 30 age range is a huge gap in, in a lot of our churches. And so what, what that we do to, to bridge that gap a little bit? I think there's a few reasons for that. I'll, I'll speak to my personal experience, and, and, and I think it'll kind of apply to a large portion of how my peers felt, because I'm one of the few of my peers that came back. Right. Uh, and I still I still talk to those that came back to, to God and church and those that didn't. And one of the things that we all felt across the board was that we got a lot of the do's and the do nots and very little of the why's and how comes. Okay. Where, you know, we really got drilled on what God didn't like and what he expected of us, but we really didn't get to know his heart and that he was Abba Father and what that meant for our relationship with him. And for our lives. So um, to give you a great example, you know, at, at 15, 16 years old, you know, I was told, you know, don't have sex before marriage because if you do, I'm going to kill you. And that's a, that's a joke. My dad was semi-kidding, I think. Um, don't get anybody pregnant and don't get HIV. And, and I never got the underneath of God made sex for, for his glory and, and our joy and how that brings family and creates community and what that means. And so I think part of it is a lack of, of really the how comes and the whys and too much of a focus on what I was supposed to be doing and not supposed to be doing. Okay. And I think another reason was we were kind of siloed off. Um, you know, in my generation, we were kind of sent to go eat popcorn and, and play dodgeball. And, uh, and we just weren't discipled. Um, I just didn't have a great understanding of a Christian worldview. So when I got to that college age and I had teachers that were challenging my faith, I was completely flat-footed. Yeah. yeah. One of the things I'm, I'm privileged to do right now is I'm teaching a, a high school senior apologetics class. And, um, you know, one of, one of the things I've been trying to do is provide them with some really good resources to, to answer some questions they may have now, but really some resources that will help keep them grounded when they um, when they get to college and they're faced with some of these questions, uh, tr trying to trying to present them with with the idea that, hey, here's some questions you're going to you're going to be faced with when you get out in, into the real world. And I think you're right. We we have traditionally not done a really good job, um, certainly in the Southern Baptist Convention, but maybe across the board in in discipling uh, teenagers and preparing them for, for outside. Awesome. Yeah, and um, then I just I just think that we we focus on a few a few topics a few key sins, um, and just to the exclusion of everything else, and it just felt very hypocritical. Um, yeah. So when I had an excuse to leave, I took it. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, Mike, Matt, uh, my my co-host and I are both pastoring churches in the middle of revitalization, um, and and our heart really is for pastors who who are laboring in the trenches. Um, in the hard work of church revitalization. And so this is, this is kind of a, a discussion that's being had, um, I think, on a wider scale than maybe it has in, in the past. Um, and so why is revitalization such an important need in the United States right now? Well, I think the latest stats is we have about 400,000 churches in the United States at any given time. And I know here in the Northeast, we can't afford 
to lose any of them. I mean, there are pockets in the Northeast where we're almost considered an unreached people group. That's how low um, the professing evangelical Christian faith is present in our communities. And, and we know that the God's plan to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth and to disciple believers is the local church. Every community needs a gospel-centered, revitalized local church. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned, I mean, we have 400,000 churches uh, in the United States. And I think one of the stats that I saw uh, actually on your on your conference website, which we'll, we'll talk about here in just a sec about the conference you have coming up in June. Um, but but that is that 10,000 churches are closing every year. I mean, that's an enormous uh, number of, of churches to be losing. And so I know we've talked a lot, uh, maybe over the last 10 or 15 years about the need for church planting. Um, and, and certainly, you know, we've we've had church planters on the uh, on the podcast. We're, we're good friends with some church planters. We, we recognize the need to plant new churches, but not at the expense of existing churches. Um, and so what what are maybe some trends that you're seeing there in the northeast to keep churches alive, to, to keep these these churches that were planted as um, lighthouses for the gospel? And to, to keep them to continue to be lighthouses for the gospel. Are you seeing anything that's really effective, especially if they're in the Northeast where you are? Yeah, I think what's really kind of driven the North, the Northeast interest in revitalization is just simply the lack of, of land and the cost of buildings. It's just a very expensive place to be. So I think part of what we tend to do, um, I think overall, just as, as human beings, but especially I see within church and ministry is we swing to one side of the pendulum or the other. So we're either church planning or we're church revitalizing. The truth is it's not either or, it's both end. You know, both are necessary. And in the Northeast, you know, guys that are planting churches were having a very hard time getting a foothold uh, because they couldn't afford to rent and, and buy facilities. And then we have churches that were planted in the 50s into the 60s when land was available and, and cheap. Um, and they're down to 10, 20 members sitting on five acres worth $2 million. Yeah. Wow. I think the light bulb just went off like, hey, what if we just got involved and cared about our existing churches too? Wouldn't that be great? Yeah. Yeah. One of the things I'm learning, I've, so I've been here at First Baptist Church, Alamogordo, in the middle of, of church revitalization now. Uh, I've been here almost three years, and, and one of the things that I'm learning is that there are a lot of similarities between church planting and church revitalization. Uh, so, I mean, church revitalization, you're not necessarily starting from scratch, but, but you're starting essentially what's a church plant coming in and, and needing to have the mindset of a church planter with existing members and existing facilities, and in our case, existing debt. Right. So, I mean, there's it's it's kind of like, all right, we're going to do this brand new thing. But we're going to start three years behind <laughs> where we actually need to be. Um, and so you've been at Cornerstone now, if, if I remember right on your bio, almost seven years. So it, tell us just a little bit about kind of what God has done uh, through your time at Cornerstone and what you've seen happen there. Well, you know, I have a longstanding tie to this this particular church. They had a Christian school in the 80s. Um, I went here. It's where I met my wife in seventh grade. Uh, it took her about 18 years to marry me, but finally she <laughs> relented. And, and I, I just love this place. And I was helping out one night with their youth group. I wasn't even working here. And God just told me, as sure as he told me anything, 
that I was meant to be at this church as a pastor. And I came to visit on a Sunday morning. This is at this point, eight years ago. So a year before I come on staff here and the average age of the person attending was higher than the average number in attendance. <laughs> and, and if you do the math there, it's not a good right. you know, scenario. Uh, it, it freaked me out. I had two young kids. There was no Sunday school, no nursery. There was no need for it. Uh, and my wife and I looked at each other and said, okay, Lord, if you said we'll go, but are you sure your GPS is working? Because <laughs> this, this doesn't seem like a great fit. Yeah, yeah. And, and we came here, and I would say approximately 50 people, average age, maybe 64, 65 in attendance and, and i'll just kind of fast forward um about seven years later i've been the lead pastor for the past three i got hired as the associate and, and kind of just served under my lead pastor and helped him uh last sunday uh, we're probably averaging close to 250 in attendance now which um it, quite frankly it's a miracle it's it's a it's a work of god i can't point and said that we just have some incredible strategy and we're just crushing it. We just serve an awesome God. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, what? So, so you come in. I mean, you're sitting at this church of, of 50 people, and like you said, the average age is, is <laughs> the average age is higher than the average attendance. Um, what did you do in those early days? I mean, did you come in and just start like making changes immediately, or did you just kind of come in and assess the situation and and walk with these folks where they were? How did you? You know, you, you show up and. And you're you're an associate pastor, so uh, you're not the guy, so to speak. So how did you how did you cope with with that? What did that journey look like? Oh, it was horrible. It was horrible. <laughs> you, you you open this up by saying this was a train wreck. Well, that, that describes my first year. Hmm. Um, I came in with all the wonderful arrogance of here's what you're doing wrong, and here's what you need to do right, and I'm the one to tell you. And that went over as well as you would imagine. It went over. And God just had to break me a little bit of my self-sufficiency and, and what I thought and just lean in him. And he just told me to love the people that were there. And I just started to love the people that were there. And that started to really change the dynamic. And I started just to gain the trust of the people. And it was just amazing to see the change in hearts and minds. Yeah. Yeah. I like what, you know, before we got on, we were, we were talking just a bit about Mark Clifton and and how much we love him. And I, I'm, I'm working for him now. So I'm, I'm a big fan, a uh, hu huge fan of Mark Clifton. <laughs> but um, he'll say, you know, in a, in a church plant, if you're starting from scratch, if if by year three, you're not uh, you're not almost self-sufficient, you know, with with a sustainable um, core of members and, and a sustainable attendance base, um, you know, you're you're if you're not able to pay your own bills and all that, he said by year three, your church plant's probably not going to make it. And he'll, he'll turn the tables and say, now in a church replant or a church revitalization, it might take you three years just to like, like step one, right? To be like, hey, now we're 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 not um, losing ground anymore. Now we're actually ready to, if not begin gaining ground, at least stop the bleeding. And did, did you see that to be true? I mean, it just, it takes, like I said, you're starting almost three years behind. Incredibly accurate. So the first year, is me being a train wreck and, and then God just kind of worked with me and, and then it really as I began to love the people I was starting to lead the people and one of the lessons I learned in year two 
is that if you lead too far ahead of the people who are following, they will mistake you for the enemy and shoot you in the back. It's not their fault. It's your fault. You've gotten so far. You've thought this through 40,000 times. You've talked to three of your closest friends. And then you assume that they know exactly what you're thinking. And, and you know, Tom Rainer, you know, once told me, you know, once I get tired of saying something, they're finally starting to hear me. Hmm. And I think that really encapsulates year two, which is me learning what pace of change would change the church in a healthy way and not break it. Yeah. Yeah. And and you're right. It's that, that's a hard thing as a leader, right? Because I think we can sometimes see this this vision and 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 hear from buddies, hey, this is what I'm thinking. What do you oh that's a great idea. Cool. Let's dive right in. And and you're right. The problem is sometimes we're so far out in front of our people that, that we forget to bring them along the journey with us. That that it maybe has taken us months to arrive at right by the time we first introduce it and then and i think we have a tendency to think okay like this is where i am you just come on guys do do what i did in like six months in about two hours come on right so, <laughs> so i've been praying i've been planning for six months at this right. business meeting i need you to understand all of it in yeah. five minutes or less <laughs> yeah that's right well that's that's a good word man um well so so last thing um here you you have this event coming up in june uh and you have uh, you have some guys that maybe some of our listeners have heard of before. Uh, guys like Andy, or excuse me, Ed Stetzer, Andy Davis, pastor of First Baptist Church Durham, and as we've already talked about, our our friend Mark Clifton. So tell oh, us. Oh, we had one more. We had oh. Carl Vader's. Oh, uh, Carl Vader's cool. All church essentials yeah. to the to the to the yeah. list. Absolutely, yeah. I read that book, and and his uh his new uh new small church blog is is fantastic. So, all right, cool. So, yeah, tell us about the, the Revitalized Conference, kind of your, your vision behind it. Well, you know, it's funny. When I came on board here seven years ago, the first three years, I had no idea what the word revitalization meant. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that's what I was in the midst of doing. And I ended up taking a course by Tom Rayner, and then he started a community called Church Answers, and I got to know him a little bit, and that's how I got to know Mark. And, and they took a chance on an untested, loudmouth, slightly obnoxious Italian guy from New York. I said, we will come and speak at your conference. And that was last year. And it, it was transformative um, for the Northeast. Now, one of the things um, you guys have probably an easier time of attracting speakers to, let's say, a place like Texas or North Carolina or a place that's more churched and can draw more people. Here on Long Island, people don't cross the bridges and the tunnels, you know, between the traffic and just our, our driving skills. People take their life in their hands coming out here, and they don't they don't come out. Um, we, we have a hard enough time getting speakers to come to Manhattan. And, and these guys took a chance, and they came out, and the impact they had on local churches in the Northeast was incredible. I mean, there are churches that I'm talking to today that their revitalization started at that conference. Wow. You know, when they were able to hear Mark talk about, you know, that you're not a small church, you're a normal church. Stop feeling bad about your size. And I, I thought that alone was transformative for half the people in the room. You know, and Sam Rayner, you know, told us your zip code is not an accident. 
that that is your community and, and just focus on loving your community. And, and I know that set a fire in my heart. Um, and it's just, it's just been incredible. And let me tell you, God has opened up every door. Ed Stetzer, um, the odds of him agreeing to come out here are one in a million. I mean, I, so I'll tell you a little story. I was trying to reach out to him and I was calling everyone I knew. Do you know Ed? Do you know Ed? One day I get a phone call and it says no caller ID. And I'm as, I'm assuming it's going to be someone like a telemarketer, but I answer it anyway. It says, hey, Mike, it's Ed Stetzer. <laughs> I said, yeah, okay, buddy. He said, choose your, your next words very carefully. He said, because it's really Ed Stetzer. <laughs> and he heard about the Revitalized Conference, and he is a Long Island boy. He was born in Levittown. Um, mother went to Stony Brook University, right where the conference in that area is. And he agreed to come out. And all these guys, man, they have a heart for investing in the local churches here. And we we are really believing God for a wave of church revitalizations. And we're hoping that this conference is just a small part of bringing churches together where we can know one another, pray for one another, get trained together, and then go out and reach our communities together. That's awesome. Um, so if you're listening, that is the, the Revitalized Conference is uh, June 7th and 8th. Uh, so that is that is the weekend right before the uh, the annual Southern Baptist Convention meeting, which, of course, Matt and I will be at. And I know a lot of our listeners will be, too. Um, but maybe you're you know looking for something and uh, never been to New York City. This would be a great time. Right. Go go spend the weekend in New York City. Go root against the Yankees. And no, <laughs> no, don't do that. Don't do that. Um, and so. Uh, Mike, where can they find out some more information about the Revitalized Conference? They can go right to revitalizedconference.org. Okay. Or they can go to Revitalized Conference on Facebook, and they can like it on Facebook. Um, the links to everything on our cornerstonepjs.org website. Uh, best place, though, is just the conference website. Everything's right there. Okay. All right. And I will be sure to put a link to that in our show notes as well. Um, well, Mike, thank you so much for, for joining me today. Uh, it is, it's time to hop off this train, uh, for, for this week. And we're grateful that you took the time to listen in today. And if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe on iTunes, wherever podcasts are found. You can also visit us online at www.notanotherbaptistpodcast.com or on Facebook under not another Baptist podcast or on Twitter at NAB underscore podcast. And until next time. May your coffee be as black as night and as bold as the gospel you declare. Thank you so much, Mike. Enjoyed the chat and praying for you guys there at Cornerstone and, and for the Revitalized Conference as well. Appreciate it, brother. God bless.